0: Good evening, comrades. Tonight's presentation is on Joseph Stalin's work, Anarchism or Socialism. This is a work that clarifies and highlights many of the reasons we as communists must disavow and combat anarchism and similar tendencies within the larger anti-capitalist movement and have a firm ideological root in Marx and Engels' scientific socialism. In addition to Stalin's work, we will also pull from Marx, Engels, and Lenin as the views on anarchism are very similar. I will explore the different contradictions between Marxism and anarchism, both in the historical context and the current context. In our current political climate, anarchism and its related tendencies have a very strong grip within the minds of the American people. This is because petty-bourgeois ideology, also known as liberalism, has been cultivated in the minds of the American people focusing more on class conciliation rather than class struggle. The reason that I think this topic is important to focus on is because there are many anarchists within the larger movement, and our task should be to refute its contradictions and offer a solid solution to the crisis of capitalism through Marx and Engels' scientific socialism. The correct position we should take on how to approach the subject of anarchism is one that Comrade Stalin begins with in the book. Comrade Stalin says, we are not the kind of people who, when the word anarchism is mentioned, turn away contemptuously and say with a supercilious wave of the hand, why waste time on that? That's not worth talking about. We think that such cheap criticism is undignified and useless. Nor are we the kind of people who console themselves with the thought that the anarchists have no masses behind them and therefore are not so dangerous. It is not who has the larger or smaller mass following today, but the essence of the doctrine that matters. If the doctrine of the anarchists expresses the truth, then it goes without saying that it will certainly hew a path for itself and will rally the masses around itself. If, however, it is unsound and built up on a false foundation, it will not last long and will remain suspended in midair. Not all anarchists are to be trusted. They have been guilty of counter-revolutionary acts such as sabotage, terrorism, and infamously infiltration. These actions, as the party has already seen, can do great harm to the party. We must remain vigilant and determined to weed out this type of behavior. Before we dive into Comrade Stalin's work, let us first understand what anarchism is. Anarchism is basically a petty bourgeois ideology that advocates for a communist society without the need of a state. This is the primary, if not the most glaring distinction it has with Marxism. Main thinkers of anarchism are Proudhon, Stirner, Kropotkin, and Bakunin. The heart of anarchism is not collectivism, but rather individualism. The ideological basis for anarchism is idealism, as opposed to the materialism of Marx. Focusing on the anarchist movement of the present day, This work takes on the so-called criticisms of the anarchists during the early 20th century. Anarchists of today are much different. Today they are not theorists. They are not offering any criticisms of Marxism on an intellectual basis. Today, anarchists have a soft cushion of anti-communism and anti-Marxist biases to fall back on. Therefore, it is no wonder that the most common argument we hear from anarchists is the argument that they want a so-called anti-authoritarian socialism as opposed to so-called authoritarian socialism. The question of authority can be summed up succinctly in Lenin's State and Revolution, in the chapter on the transition phase from capitalism to communism, on the question of authority, and the dictatorship of the proletariat, i.e., the organization of the vanguard of the oppressed as the ruling class, for the purpose of suppressing the oppressors, cannot result merely in an expansion of democracy. Simultaneously, with an immense expansion of democracy, which for the first time becomes democracy for the poor, democracy for the people, and not democracy for the money bags, the dictatorship of the proletariat imposes a series of restrictions on the freedom of the oppressors. The exploiters, the capitalists. We must suppress them in order to free humanity from wage slavery. The resistance must be crushed by force. And it is clear that there is no freedom and no democracy where there is suppression and where there is violence. Angela Davis was part of the Communist Party, and she was working with the Panthers, and they were Marxists. They had Maoist tendencies. They were not anarchists. They didn't bother with anarchist tendencies, because they were materialists. So they understood that I think black people in the United States understand better than anybody else that you need to have force to destroy that kind of exploitation.
1: Stalin
2: mentioned in his book Anarchism or Socialism, anarchists and their acts of terrorism, but there was no context. So are there any examples of this? I remember hearing vaguely about in the Soviet Union, anarchists would abandon the struggle and become counter-revolutionary do you have any examples of how they became counter-revolutionary in the soviet union or any place else
3: the kronstadt rebellion was led by the anarchist movement in revolutionary russia at the time it was a stab in the back to the revolution very similar to spain 1936, 37, Spain, when the fascist government of Franco, who was in the army at the time, rose up. At the same time he rose up, the anarchists in Barcelona, Spain, rose up against the republic. So the anarchists, at the time when the revolutionary movement is under attack, that's when they attack. Every single time. Social revolutionaries, correct. Also anarchists, Fanny Kaplan was the name of the woman I was talking about who tried to assassinate. Eventually she did. The bullet got to Comrade Lenin. but Fanny Kaplan was an anarchist. Don't forget Emma Goldman, very important, a big name in the revolutionary movement. If you see the movie Reds, it goes into, I urge people to get the movie Reds with Warren Beattie. It was made in 1981 or around that period of time. Emma Goldman, she's in prison by this government during the Palmer Raids, and they sent her to Russia. Palmer raids got rid of all the immigrants who came here. Very similar to what Trump is going through now, by the way. An attack on immigrants. Well, we had this before many times in our country. And during Emma Goldman's period, she went to Russia and she came back, said she hated it. She hated the revolution. Famous quote, If I can't dance to your revolution, I don't want to be part of it. That's the petty bourgeois, as Comrade said, (laughs) petty bourgeois mentality of anarchism. Angela Davis, very important. I want the younger people to know that many of our leaders, many of our leaders had good periods and bad periods. I think it's wrong to classify all of them as negative or positive. For example, Angela Davis and... 1991, signed an initiative, it was called the Initiative, where they attacked Gus Hall. And what their attack was based on is that Gus had too much power. And who did they support? Gorbachev. This is very important. The Initiative people supported Perestroika, and they supported Gorbachev. That goes to tell you how great of a communist these people were. I do not look up to Angela Davis in a good way at all. As Comrade said, at one point she was good, and then she changes. So the issue of anarchism is a very important issue in our movement, in our own party. We've had in the past, we will continue to have in the present, and in the future, people come into the party who are basically individualists, and they basically do not accept the idea that before them, there were people that built up the communist movement. They have the idea that they're here and that what their way is going to be the correct way. No understanding of collectivity, what it means to make a collective decision.
1: I think uh, during the Bolshevik Revolution, people like the father of Marxism was Plekhanov, and I think Lenin himself was a student of Plekhanov because he firstly introduced Marxism into the Soviet social system. But I think finally, when Lenin was clear about the state and revolution, that they had to use force to get rid of the monarchy. I think Plekhanov capitulated and he said it was not right to engage in revolutionary violence. And I think Plekhanov was also joined by people like Bukharin and others who were revisionists, and they renounced Lenin. That is the information I have.
2: The anarchists. At the time of the revolution, there was another revolution before that revolution called the February Revolution. It was a bourgeoisie who was their revolution. It basically made Russia what Russia is today. And one of the parties there was called the SR Party, Socialist Revolutionaries, and uh, Kerensky was the head of it. But the people who were in this party, the SR Party, the rank and file, I'm saying, not the leaders who were capitalists, the rank and file were petty bourgeois And I wanted to mention the thing on Angela Davis. Looking back, we say, oh, great, Angela Davis. But what sets our party aside from PSL, from other groups, for example, who would look back and just honor her completely as she's an angel, forgetting that she wrecked the party in the 1991 Congress, where she dropped Leninism. So at the time, in the 70s, she did good work for the party. But the best quote I've ever heard about her was this. It was that the party used her because she was this young black woman and then she used the party to get connections, example, to become a professor, I think, as she is now. An
0: example as was in Spain, is that party members in this country went over there to fight in the international brigades and Abraham Lincoln and when They'd finally be holding their own against the fascists. They would find themselves trapped between the anarchists, too, sniping at them from the back and ambushing them. So we should never forget what happens as a political force during a revolution, too. So we see that the state is a necessary tool of class oppression and suppression. Anarchists would have us believe that somehow a state is not needed in the revolution. Things will just sort of unscientifically sort themselves out. Moving forward, I'm going to get into the introduction to anarchism or socialism. That's on page 7. The hub of modern social life is the class struggle. In the course of this struggle, each class is guided by its own ideology. The bourgeoisie has its own ideology. So-called liberalism. The proletariat also has its own ideology. This, as is well known, is socialism. Liberalism must not be regarded as something whole and indivisible. It is subdivided into different trends, corresponding to the different strata of the bourgeoisie. Nor is socialism whole and indivisible. In it, there are also different trends. Shall not examine liberalism here. The task had be better left for another time. We want to acquaint the reader only with socialism and its trends. We think that the reader will find this more interesting. Socialism is divided into three main trends. Reformism, anarchism, and Marxism. Reformism, Bernstein and others, which regards socialism as a remote goal and nothing more. Reformism, which actually repudiates the socialist revolution and aims at establishing socialism by peaceful means. Reformism, which advocates not class struggle, but class collaboration. This reformism is decaying day by day, is day by day losing all semblance of socialism, and in our opinion, it's totally unnecessary to examine it in these articles when defining socialism. It is altogether different with Marxism and anarchism. Both are, at the present time, recognized as socialist trends. They are waging a fierce struggle against each other. Both are trying to present themselves to the proletariat as a genuinely socialist doctrines, and of course, a study and comparison of the two will be far more interesting to the reader. We are not the kind of people who, when the word anarchism is mentioned, turn away contemptuously and say, with a supercilious wave of the hand, why waste time on that? It's not worth talking about. We think that such cheap criticism is undignified and useless. Nor are we the kind of people who console themselves with the thought that the anarchists have no masses behind them and therefore are not so dangerous. It is not who has a larger or smaller mass following today, but the essence of the doctrine that matters. If the doctrine of the anarchists expresses the truth, then it goes without saying that it will certainly hew a path for itself, and will rally the masses around itself. If, however, it is unsound and built up on a false foundation, it will not last long and will remain suspended in mid-air. But the unsoundness of anarchism must be proved. Some people believe that Marxism and anarchism are based on the same principles and that the disagreements between them concern only tactics, so that, in the opinion of these people, it is quite impossible to draw a contrast between these two trends. This is a great mistake. We believe that the anarchists are real enemies of Marxism. Accordingly, we must also hold that a real struggle must be waged against real enemies. Therefore, it is necessary to examine the doctrine of the anarchists from beginning to end, and weigh it up thoroughly from all aspects. The point is that Marxism and anarchism are built upon entirely different principles. In spite of the fact that both come into the arena of the struggle under the flag of socialism, The cornerstone of anarchism is the individual, whose emancipation according to its tenets is the principal condition for the emancipation of the mass collective body. According to the tenets of anarchism, the emancipation of the masses is impossible until the individual is emancipated. Accordingly, its slogan is, everything for the individual. The cornerstone of Marxism, however, is the masses, whose emancipation according to its tenets, is the principal condition for the emancipation of the individual. That is to say, according to the tenets of Marxism, the emancipation of the individual is impossible until the masses are emancipated. Accordingly, its slogan is, everything for the masses. Clearly we have two principles, one negating the other, and not merely disagreements on tactics. The object of our articles is to place these two opposite principles side by side to compare Marxism with anarchism and thereby throw a light on their respective virtues and defects. At this point, we think it is necessary to acquaint the reader with the plan of these articles. We shall begin with a description of Marxism, deal in passing with the anarchist views on Marxism, and then proceed to criticize anarchism itself. Namely, we shall expound the dialectical method the anarchist view on this method, and our criticism, the materialist theory, the anarchist views, and our criticism. Here, too, we shall discuss the socialist revolution, the socialist dictatorship, the minimum program, and tactics generally. The philosophy of anarchists and our criticism, the socialism of the anarchists and our criticism. We shall try to prove that, as advocates of small community socialism, the anarchists are not genuine socialists. We shall also try to prove that, insofar as they repudiate the dictatorship of the proletariat, the anarchists are also not genuine revolutionaries. So let us proceed with our subject.
4: I think that's a very good quote at the end there. We shall try to prove that, as advocates of small community socialism, the anarchists are not genuine socialists because the ideology of anarchism is mostly of the self, it is very centered around oneself.
0: This is something that I wrote. This is not from Stalin. Anarchist contradiction with Marxism are as follows. The repudiation of the dictatorship of the proletariat, the rejection of the seizure of state power, individual action versus collective action, and favor small communitarian socialism rather than building socialism in one country.
3: I urge people an excellent pamphlet by Orson G. Wells, and i explain to you who he was. If you remember the word, uh, the famous novel, War of the Worlds, it was written by H.G. Wells, War of the Worlds, and in that, he has a pamphlet in which Stalin discusses with H.G. Wells, what is liberalism? And the two of them, H.G. Wells is a perfect liberal, example of a liberal. The other thing I wanted to mention is libertarianism. You all heard that term. That is the right-wing form of anarchism. Anarchism has certain roots in the communist movement. Libertarian has their roots in the capitalist movement. And I urge people, maybe even at the next class of this subject, to compare the two, and you'll see they're almost identical. The individual is the main common item on both libertarianism and anarchism. And today, libertarianism is very big among the right wing. It's also a conservative movement. Also, there are people in Congress who are self-declared libertarians, like the father and son crew, the Paul's father and son.
1: I think since I come from a developing nation, Eritrea, which fought a revolutionary war and defeated Ethiopian colonialism, and I think most of these problems about anarchism, libertarianism and you no know, socialist ideology are always uh, in clashes and contradictions and they only take place in developing countries like highly industrialized countries and they have been taking place for almost like 200 years without any resolution to the conflict and Unless the conflict is resolved within the, especially the working class movement, how is history going to move forward for socialism, especially in the so called advanced industrial countries? So I think, short of this, if the proletariat is not rising to take state power, to mature politically, there is a great chance for the transatlantic civilization to really decay and end up as a as a totally decayed civilization because I think one class has to mature over historical processes and rise up and take history into its hands. And if this does not happen there is a dark chance of just sliding in history and just decaying. And I see that very, very dangerous for North America and Western Europe. He
0: was talking about who is decaying on page 11, this is chapter 1, the dialectical method? Stalin, he's talking about how the Narodniks were talking about who could undertake the task of emancipating Russia. Was it the petty bourgeoisie, rural, and urban? This is the debate they were having, the Marxists and the Narodniks. And the Marxists asked them why the Narodniks thought it was the petty bourgeoisie that could undertake the revolution in Russia. And the Narodniks answered that the rural and urban petty bourgeoisie now constitute the majority, and moreover, they are poor and live in poverty. To this the Marxists replied, it is true that the rural and urban petty bourgeoisie now constitute the majority and are really poor, but it's not the point. The petty bourgeoisie has long constituted the majority, but up to now they has played no initiative in the struggle for freedom, without the assistance of the proletariat. Why? Because the petty bourgeoisie as a class is not growing. On the contrary, it is disintegrating day by day, and breaking up into bourgeois and proletarians. On the other hand, nor is poverty of decisive importance. Of course, tramps are poorer than the petty bourgeoisie, but nobody will say that they can undertake the task of emancipating Russia.
4: As you can see, the point is not which class today constitutes the majority or which class is poorer, but which class is gaining strength and which is decaying. And I think that's a very good perspective to have because I feel like a lot of people fall into the trap of they get too idealist, too utopian with what's going on. They don't really actually want to see the whole picture. And that quote right there, I think, is very important. So we
0: have to ask ourselves, which class is gaining strength and which class is decaying in our current conditions? I would say that the proletariat, as Stalin said, the proletariat is the only class which steadily is growing and gaining strength, which is pushing social life forward and rallying all the revolutionary elements around itself. Our duty is to regard it as the main force in the present-day movement, join its ranks, and make its progressive strivings our striving. That is how the Marxists answered, that Contradictions between Marxism and anarchism, Stalin's view. Number one, no understanding of dialectical materialism. Number two, the repudiation of the dictatorship or the proletariat. Number three, accusations that Marxists are not genuine socialists, and that Marxism is not revolutionary. And fourthly, anarchism rejects the view that Marxism is revolutionary. What is the anarchist view of materialist theory of Marx and Engels? Well, the dialectical method originated with Hegel. The materialist theory is a further development of the materialism of Feuerbach. The anarchists know this very well and they try to take advantage of the defects of Hegel and Feuerbach, discredit the dialectical materialism of Marx and Engels. We have already shown with reference to Hegel and the dialectical method that these tricks of the anarchists prove nothing but their own ignorance. The same must be said with reference to their attacks on Freibach and the materialist theory. For example, the anarchists tell us with greater plumb that Freibach was a pantheist, that he deified man, that in Freibach's opinion, man is what he eats. alleging this from Marx, drew the following conclusion. Consequently, the main and primary thing is economic conditions. So we see that anarchists nitpick with Feuerbach was saying and criticize personal defects of a person and have no really, don't really have any understanding of the materialism of Marx and Engels on that level. The second contradiction I'd like to go over is the repudiation of the dictatorship of the proletariat. In this text, Stalin references social democracy as a popular movement, I'm just substituting the word Marxism for that. Anarchists repudiate the dictatorship of the proletariat. The dictatorship of the proletariat, in a direct sense of the term, is utterly impossible because the advocates of dictatorship are state men, and their dictatorship will not be the free activities of the entire proletariat, but the establishment at the head of society, at the same representative government that exists today. That was from and he was uh, a Georgian anarchist. And so we see a lot of the same arguments today with our modern anarchists, where they say that, oh, we're just going to take state power and replicate state power as it exists in capitalist society. So it's not really a new argument. It's just being repeated. Honestly, nothing is changing from that argument. It just seems like there's nothing new to argue. They don't have any new arguments against Marxism they don't fundamentally
1: understand what Marxism is. I think given the cultural setting of Western societies and how capitalism mostly developed in Western Europe and North America and that the ruling classes really perpetuated that individual freedom was the center of the universe and nothing else, the community comes second and individual freedom is maximum, so the fact that some people are really die hard about it in relation to their culture or civilization or their history, I think I can sometimes understand it because that is the kind of die hard individualism that can only disappear when the masses take power, when the dictatorship of the proletariat becomes a material force. Otherwise, these people are really die hard. And they will never try to understand Marxism, Leninism, although intellectually and academically they can analyze and appreciate it. But they are in total denial and I think that is a form of being diehard as an individual, that's how I say it.
0: Great point. It even illustrates the folly of idealism as a philosophical tenet. That's basically idealism in its foundation is unwillingness to change as the world changes.
4: Can you talk about how anarchists ally with imperialism against the self-determination of sovereign nations in the effort to be anti-status? And we're seeing that even now with the recent happenings in Venezuela. A lot of anarchists coming out opposing not only the opposition leader, but also Maduro and wanting some sort of third option that doesn't even exist.
0: There are numerous examples in our current time, like you said, Maduro in Venezuela. I've heard criticism the legitimacy of the Syrian state and how they are allying themselves with the YPG. They want to completely overthrow Assad and destroy the Syrian state. So they have no basis in material reality because they're so committed to this ideological goal. So I think the example of Syria. And Venezuela, any state, really, that tries to do anything progressive for its citizens, is attacked by anarchists on the level that they're so-called anti statists This is from 1905, Lenin's work, Socialism and Anarchism. The philosophy of the anarchists is bourgeois philosophy turned inside out. Their individualistic theories and their individualistic ideal are the very opposite of socialism. Their views express not the future of bourgeois society, which is striding with irresistible force towards the socialization of labor, but the present and even the past of that society, the domination of blind chance over the scattered and isolated small producer. Their tactics, which amount to a repudiation of the political struggle, disunite the proletarians and convert them, in fact, to passive participators in one bourgeois policy or another, since it is impossible Unrealizable for the workers to really disassociate hate themselves from politics.
4: Thank you for watching this full length class from the People's School for Marxist Leninist Studies. For more information, or if you're interested in attending classes, visit our website, check out our YouTube channel, or email info at psmls.org.